Welcome to New Orleans. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Hey, Tiffany. Hey, Katie. New Orleans. I know. It's so exciting. <laughs> I can't believe it. Everybody must have noticed that there was a new intro on this show because I am now in New Orleans. And so I've been thinking for a long time about whether or not we should change. Um, you know how the, the current opening is Welcome to Rome and it builds that soundscape of Rome. That was the old opening. And for a while, I've been like, well, now I'm in Seattle for so long. I feel like I should make one that's like, welcome to Rome and Seattle. <laughs> but I just so love the welcome to Rome one and how it builds with the starlings and the fountains and the coughing and the motorbikes and all that stuff. But I felt like me spending a month in New Orleans means that we needed a new intro. I think it's great. I love it. Just for the time being. We'll go back to the Rome one again. So how long have you been in New Orleans? So as we tape which will be a little delayed because I have to gather the sound for the intro you just heard. But as we're taping, I have been here for four nights, I think. Okay, so you're fresh. I'm very fresh, yes. I'm still spending much of the day wandering around trying to find my way around. I still have not gone to the grocery store and bought any food. Okay, so you're eating out every meal? I'm eating out a lot, yes. Um, well, I did go to the store and I bought a couple of things. I bought cereal, milk, orange juice, and a bag of popcorn. The basics. So I've been eating <laughs> that stuff. All, that's all from like a corner convenience store when I'm home, but otherwise they tend to, um, so far in my experience here, they tend to give you really, really large portions. So generally speaking, I am going out for breakfast or something and then taking whatever is left over, like an entire sausage home with me. And then the next day I eat that at some point. So I'm sort of making these bridges, but I haven't slowed down long enough yet to figure out <laughs> cooking. Now, what part of, not that I know New Orleans because I don't. I'm not familiar with the city at all. But what part of town are you in? So I am, if you were on a, looking at an aerial map mm -hmm. of New Orleans, and everybody listening probably has heard of the French Quarter. Yes, that I've heard of. Let's call it the dynamic center of the city. It's where all the tourists go when they come here. I am in the neighborhood to the right of the French Quarter. I'm right on a border between two neighborhoods. I am going to pronounce it wrong because I haven't been here long enough. I think it's Marnier. Here's the interesting thing about New Orleans. It has all these French pronunciations, but sometimes the locals pronounce them in a much more straight manner than what they would actually be. Right, because there's a, probably a specific accent and dialect of the place. Exactly. So I haven't figured it all out yet. And so I have gotten to the point where I say it almost right, but people still correct me from time to time. <laughs> and I border that with a neighborhood called the Bywater. So you're going to hear uh, probably this show or future shows. I live right next to a train track. Mm. So you'll hear a train go by probably as we tape sometime and it will rattle the whole house. So you'll get to hear all that. And that train is the borderline between the two neighborhoods. Ah, like, so it's like a literal one of those from the other side of the tracks type type scenarios exactly are you on the good side of the tracks or the bad side of the tracks i'm on the good side but barely okay I'm barely on the good side <laughs> and i it was interesting last night i went out with i've been lucky in the sense that for the past three nights i've been here i've gone out with people which you wouldn't expect 
when you first get to a place. But I had a lot of friends who were like, oh, you need to beat so-and-so when you get down there, you know. That's great. That's really lucky. Yeah. So last night I went out with a group of people who were either former or current EMTs. Hmm. So they deal with a lot of like people who are passed out from heroin. Alcohol poisoning? Yeah, heroin, alcohol poisoning, all that stuff. But they also deal with the crime here and the attacks that happen to people here. And I already knew moving here that New Orleans has a higher crime rate than in other places in the country. It's certainly a higher crime rate than Seattle. And so I already knew that that was an issue and that um, unlike Seattle, where there are certain neighborhoods that are prone toward crime and there are other neighborhoods that are very safe, here it kind of is, from what I understand, it goes on a block by block basis. So you could be in a sort of good neighborhood, but then the next block over or two blocks up from that would be a more dangerous spot. Wow. It's a little bit more micro. So last night they were telling me all the tips of how to not get attacked. Oh, oh, that's helpful. Yeah, and I think that that was the first. <laughs> I I will admit to having nightmares last night. That was the first night where I felt like, okay, uh, in general, to be honest, when I'm out walking around, it feels really, really safe to me. So, Well, feelings can be deceiving, Katie, so <laughs> just be careful, okay? Because you're used to Seattle and... Um... You never know. So be careful. Yes. Be careful out there. They gave some good tips, which are probably good tips for anybody traveling in a spot that they're not familiar with. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear some. One of them, of course, was don't get too wasted, which... <laughs> Very New practical Orleans, advice. Yeah. New yeah. Orleans reputation precedes it where of a place where tourists come and just get obliterated. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> the other ones were, you know, it's so common in a way. If you're walking down the street at night and there's a group of people that are like a group of five people, four or five people, just walking toward you in the other direction, uh -huh. cross or turn, turn off the street. Mm. That's a easy tip. You know, obviously if you're like in a super concentrated spot like Barcelona, there's gonna be people coming at you all the time. They're talking more about like if you're alone and it's a quiet street and there's a group of people walking your way to turn off. Another thing was, of course, don't walk down alleyways. Right. And the most important thing is if you're on a quiet street, don't walk on the sidewalk, walk in the middle of the road. That makes sense. Yeah. And those are the their number one things to do to avoid being jumped at. Now, I, I want to move on to other stuff. Yes, let's move but on. But I'm just too curious. I have to, I have to know. Um, <laughs> is the type of crime that happens there, the crime that you're particularly trying to avoid, is it more thievery-based crime, like muggings? that kind of thing? Or is it more like sexual predatory crimes? From my understanding, it's it's robbery. Yeah. Okay. But it's going to be robbery with a knife or a gun. Right. Okay. So it's a little bit more violent and it tends to escalate a little bit here more than some other places. Wow. Just give them whatever they want. Right. Right. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> So don't worry about me. Note. I'm fine. Yeah, please be careful. Don't carry a lot of things with you. Don't no. carry a lot of money around and don't wear flashy jewelry. Okay. Okay. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Um... <laughs> I didn't even bring any jewelry, to be honest with you. Well, you don't usually wear jewelry. I mean, you have like a very, very subtle taste in jewelry. So yeah, that's because I've never had any money. <laughs> <laughs> um, but overall, that that whole segment just alarmed my mother. So overall, though, I will say that it's very quiet here and extremely friendly and so far, I haven't felt really nervous at all. So well, that's good. 
You remember when we did that episode, Tips, with Lori Lee Emshi? Yes, I think about it all the time. Yeah, me too, me too. It always It's one of the ones that always comes back to me. And you remember how she was talking about, and I think, I know we've talked about this too. We think we've talked about it even more recently, like getting to, you know, those first few impressions that you have of a place. Do you have any inkling yet? And do you usually get an inkling this early or is it too early? that this is the type of place you could stay long-term? I do have an inkling that, yes, it's a place I could stay long-term. But I don't think I know enough yet to know that. Mm -hmm. It appeals to me on many levels. Whereas, for instance, last week, as people know from listening to the show, if you heard last week's guest from Puerto Vallarta, I was just in Mexico. I'm in Puerto Vallarta. I used to work with a guy who, when he retired, moved to Puerto Vallarta. So he's an expat down there. And... Walking around Puerto Vallarta, I was like, this is perfectly nice, but I would never move here. This is not for me, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. It just doesn't appeal to me on a gut level. I do find that New Orleans appeals to me on a gut level. I like the the kind of joy and happiness that spills out onto the street here. Hmm. And I love the architecture and how sort of tropical slash European it feels down here yeah it's an interesting mix yeah and it has a bunch of internal courtyards just like rome it has a lot of the things about rome that i really like as far as how special a place it feels deeper history it has a deeper history than a lot of places in the united states seattle being one of the newest places you can possibly (laughs) live um historically New Orleans has buildings standing around still that are from the mid 1700s. So it's no Rome, but it is still got some old. That's impressive for the United States. Yeah, yeah. So you can kind of more feel the Civil War down here and the Revolution. And um, but of course, it also is much more complicated because of all the slavery and such that happened down here, and all the plantations and the divide between the rich and the poor. Which anytime you have a city that had a bunch of super rich people in it. As you know from living in Rome, you end up with these super beautiful places. Mm-hmm. There are mansions, and, and over time, those get turned into restaurants and bars and people's homes. And it, so it just has this kind of special feeling to it that a lot of places in the United States mm. don't have. And that appeals to me. Well, yeah, it's, it's definitely a place that I've always wanted to go. It's always sort of had a, some kind of mystique to it. I just never have been down in that part of the country. Oh, wow. But, well, yeah. You know... You you guys have been telling me that we, well, we're about to have an intern starting too. That's the exciting news for the show. Yes. We'll introduce her in a couple of weeks when she actually gets started. But she was saying, oh, you just, ha- you guys have to be on Instagram for goodness sake. Why do you not have an Instagram yet? So I actually started one. And so eventually, once I figure out how to use it, I will start posting New Orleans things. So you, Tiffany, can actually see it for what it is down here. Yay, finally. Because I think you would be very impressed. And maybe you'd relate more to my view of it than you might just the tour book's view of it. I did Google image New Orleans when I was tweeting several weeks ago on the, after the episode in which you announced that you were going to be down moving down there for a month. Mm-hmm. I Googled some images and I was... <laughs> I could find only like literally two type of images. One, which is like the skyline, which a city skyline doesn't really tell you what the city looks like, you know, Mm -mm. does not the streets. Um, And then the other one was Bourbon Street, right? (laughs) which of course I'd seen before in films and, and images and stuff, but I couldn't, I couldn't find anything else. Literally, I could find nothing else. So I really have no idea what it looks like. 
apart from those two things. Yeah, and Bourbon Street being the place that the locals like walk around, you know. Yeah, they avoid. (laughs) Don't go down if at all possible. I will I will definitely start posting some pictures. Yes, please do. Since you do so many tours in Rome and you've studied architecture and all this, I think you would you would see the same elements carrying through to here. Well, I'm a I'm a very aesthetic person. Like I love beauty and I love things that are aesthetically pleasing. Right. Which is one of the reasons I love Rome so much. Yes. And so I probably would love it. I probably would love it. Yeah, I think you really would. Yeah. I will have to post a picture of the street I live on because I think you'd find it extremely cute as well. Aww. There's these uh, certain kinds of houses that are the smaller houses since I'm not a rich person living in a mansion <laughs> and I'm not on Bourbon Street with these beautiful double-storied, iron-worked, gorgeous old buildings. I am living in a neighborhood that probably would have been a very conservative, um, not very rich neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And there's two types of houses down here that are very common in the poor neighborhoods. And one's called a Creole cottage and the other one's called a shotgun. And I live in a shotgun. A shotgun? Yeah, a shotgun. And I live in a shotgun house. And the shotgun house is um, basically named that way because if you were to open the front door, you could fire a shotgun, shoot it all the way through the house without hitting a wall. And it would go out the back door. I see. So they're usually like three rooms long or four rooms long, but uh, the doors all line up. It's just in a row. I see. Okay. And so that's what I'm living in. And oftentimes they're double shotguns. So you'll have one person living on one side and another person living on the other side. And that's the situation I'm in. So let me ask you this. How long do you have to stay in one place before you can say that you lived there? That is a fine question. (laughs) (laughs) And there might be other aspects of it as in, are you living in a hotel or are you living in a rented house? Are you living with friends? Are you living in an Airbnb? So that might also make a difference to my question. See, I feel like a month would count as living there. Okay, then I've lived in Paris, y'all. Yeah. I, I can add that to my list of places I've lived. Because <laughs> <laughs> I spent a month in Paris in an apartment, in a, in a real person's apartment. See? But go ahead. No, I mean, I was going to say that same thing because I lived for a month in New York and I always... Sometimes if I explain that, I say, well, when I lived in New York, X, Y, Z, and Derek always says, you can't say that you lived in New York. You didn't live in New York. And I said, well, I lived there for a month and I had a job while I was there. And he's like, it doesn't count. Well, (laughs) and I do think in a way that he's not totally wrong, because I think in a month, as Lori Lee said in her episode, in a month, you haven't really gotten comfortable yet. You're still sort of a tourist. You still don't quite know what you're doing you haven't settled in oftentimes haven't settled into any kind of rhythm yet and then you leave i think it depends on the person i think it depends how adaptable you are which for me is not very adaptable not very adaptable would you say i don't know i don't know if you're adaptable or not i know you didn't adapt super fast to rome i will say that but there was a big those were a lot of big differences there you know there was a language thing and there was a major cultural thing and you know I don't know if that's always the case for you, if that was just that one time. Well, maybe it just takes practice, too, because I might, maybe uh, you get over the discomfort faster. That's a question I should ask Lori Lee, actually. Anyway, you were saying, though, about Paris? Well, I remember what she said. She said it doesn't get, how, how, how did she put it? She said it doesn't get easier to be an expat, but it gets... You figure out what you can do to make yourself more comfortable faster, I think is what she said. And she said that you just have to go in accepting that the first month is going to feel awkward and you're not going to feel super comfortable. 
which I totally get. But then when, what if you're only there for a month like me? Well, you have to speed up that timeline. I do feel that pressure to feel more comfortable faster. But you know what? But remember, remember what Cassie said. And I don't think that she said this on an episode. I think that you quoted her as having said this. Cassie being a friend of mine from Rome. Yeah. Yeah. She said something like the first year she wasn't happy. She didn't like it because she wasn't used to it yet. It took her a year. And then the second year she loved it so much she didn't want to leave. I never wanted to leave because I'm so stubborn. Like when I decide to do something... I do not change my mind. Um, but I was pretty miserable my first year in Rome, like all things considered. I mean, sure, there were some nice moments, but the majority of my first year in Rome was was a misery. The first nine months, let's say. So, you know, Lori may say one month. Somebody else might say one year. Somebody else might say a week. I think it depends on the person. And I think if you know you're going to only be in a place a month, you maybe have a different mindset and you're like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this as much as I can now because I'm not going to be here forever. Whereas if you're moving to a place for, let's say three years and it's your first month, you're going to allow yourself to sort of wallow in that. Oh, I'm so, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm just, I'm just going to stay in my, my, in my apartment because I just can't bother, you know, learning how the subway works or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, do, I yeah, I totally I totally get that. I really really do. It makes a lot of sense. That's the thing too if you remember. For those of you who are brand new to the show, don't be afraid by the way to go all the way back to the beginning because it, we have an interesting narrative start, which is when I'm living yeah. in Rome with Tiffany for just a year. That's my origin story. You may remember that when that year was ending, I didn't want to leave. And part of that was because I felt like I'd finally hit a stride. And I Mm -hmm. so felt that I had not learned what I needed to learn totally yet. Mm -hmm. Like I was just catching on and then it was time to go. Yeah. I had a friend. I still have a friend. She's still a good friend of mine, but she, she's an expat still. She's a French expat in London, but she, many years ago before, long before she was married, when we were both in our early twenties, she had a job that that basically she had, for whatever reason, she had to move every three months. Mm. Three months she was in Barcelona. Three months she was in uh, in Belgium somewhere. Three months she was in Germany somewhere. And I like looked at that and I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. Like I would like to do that indefinitely. Hmm. I would just like to be three months here. Three months because three months just seemed like the perfect amount of time to like get to know a place, enjoy it, and then you know move on. But on the other hand, you know, you never really get to know the place. So, or get to know the friends that make a place more comfortable. Or, yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, I, I never, I would not want to do that anymore. That was me as like a very young person, who, a travel lover wanting to. Yeah, and maybe yeah. not knowing exactly where you wanted to be in the world. Yes. Yet. Exactly. Yeah, I find myself in that position too right now because as we've talked about, I love Seattle and I love my friends there, but I'm a little bit tired of living there. And I feel like it's time for a new chapter, but I don't know where I want to be. And that's a big problem. <laughs> it is a problem. <laughs> and so I'm trying this out. I'm like, is New Orleans where I want to be? But it's also it's also exciting. And, you know, you are probably going to be living in a few different places this year, a number of different places this year, 
most likely. We'll see. And yeah, and part of me is still just like I was when I was in my early 20s thinking that is so cool. I want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably because you have a family now and responsibilities. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I will eventually need to find some sort of income. But yeah, it's funny. Uh, People always ask me why New Orleans and and part of it was and I said think I said it on the show part of it was that I always wondered if I'd like to live down here and I just wanted to know what it was like to be here for longer than a long weekend. Um, but the other reason was stop me if I've already told this on the show because I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> okay. The other reason is after my friend Susan died. If you go back to the grief episode and you can catch up on that, you know I felt of course extremely sad and lost and still often do when I think about that um but one of the people I couldn't get out of my head at that point was a friend of mine named Dante who lives down here Mm -hmm. and Dante had this kind of like throw yourself at life energy that Susan had and I just felt like in all this sadness and grief I need that energy I'm searching for that that person to be near me again and so I said well why search for that person to be near me when I already am thinking of that person and I know exactly where he is. So I'll go down there and see, see about it. <laughs> and granted, I have not spent any significant time with him for at least six or seven years. On the second night I was here, I went and watched his band perform. He plays the trumpet in the Dapper Dandies. So I went and watched him perform and then we got caught up and we were just like laughing our heads off, catching up on stuff and remembering who we were when we were in our 20s. And as we were walking down the street toward his bike so that he could walk me home, I asked him if he still danced because something I remembered about him when I was younger was that he would come and visit me for a few days and he would often dance with me in in the kitchen of my apartment because he was learning how to salsa dance. And he said, I still dance, but I've developed my own style at this point. And then he just grabbed my hand, pulled me into a club that was playing New Orleans jazz band playing there and danced four songs with me at random. And it was so fun. Sounds like it could be a scene from a romantic comedy. Right. Except that we don't have any. It doesn't sound like real life. I know. But I mean, that's kind of like what I think of of what it's like down here. And so in that way, it was a, I was pretty depressed the first day I got here because I was definitely in the, that same mode of what am I doing here? I have no idea how to do anything, blah, blah, blah. And so to have uh, a night like that with an old friend on the second night was something that made me feel like, okay, maybe you can do this. Maybe this is exactly what you were hoping for. Yay. Yeah. It would be a romantic comedy, except that, you know, he has a girlfriend and I'm married. (laughs) But it's the atmosphere that matters, not the details. Exactly. It's that spontaneous, we can do this right now attitude. Why not? You know, we didn't plan it, but we're going to do it. I associate New Orleans with that spontaneous energy and partly because he's, I associate it with him and his energy. I am hopeful that I will at least learn something. And at the very least, the thing I learned that night when you're dancing with somebody without a plan in front of a whole bunch of people, by the way, (laughs) who are watching you like you know what you're doing, that the number one thing to learn in that situation is not to apologize. Mm -hmm. You know, because I kept having that impulse to tell him, sorry, I'm sorry, whenever I accidentally like kicked his foot out or something like that. (laughs) He would said a couple times, you're doing great. And after that, I was like, stop apologizing, Katie, and just live it. Yeah. It doesn't matter that you don't know what you're doing. It's fine. It's fun. 
Well, that sounds awesome. It sounds like you start you you started on the right foot. Yeah, we'll see if it continues. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it is really hard to move to a new place and particularly alone. And you know me, I don't travel alone very much. So here I am alone down here. And there are those moments where you you know, I kind of feel choked up and lost or tired, you know, where you just feel lonely, you know, and I think that that must be natural. Of course it's natural. I mean, God, (laughs) it's, I think it's just how much you dwell on it and, and how much you allow yourself to wallow in it as not that you're a wallower. I'm not saying you, I'm just saying anyone as opposed to how much you challenge yourself to to get out there and and see things and and discover and have experiences like the one you just had right and then you just have to also know that there are going to be days i mean this is what i'm trying to remind myself there are going to be days where i'm alone all day long and you're like that is a lot of time to be by yourself you know mm-hmm. a lot of time to be by yourself and You just have to accept that. Give yourself a break sometimes. Like watch Netflix if you need to or something like that. Um, (laughs) Definitely. Yesterday I played a round of mini golf alone. I've never done that in my life. (laughs) But it was either go to this botanical garden and wander around looking at plants or play mini golf. And I thought mini golf seems more bizarre. And I'm going to do it. Why not? (laughs) That's awesome. That's so cool. I I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have had the guts to do that. I really don't. Why not? Because I would have felt like... There comes the train, by the way, in case you can hear ah, that. Yeah, that's what that is. I was wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would have felt like people were going to look at me like I was, you know, oh, this poor girl. She doesn't have anyone to play mini golf with. So she went... I, I say that, and the truth is I've I've eaten dinner by myself at a restaurant before alone. Yeah. I've gone to the movies alone. I don't really like eating out alone, I'll be honest, unless it's lunch or breakfast. But going to the movies alone was fine. It was actually quite enjoyable. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's nobody bugging me and like talking to me. And (laughs) it's great. I know. I was contemplating today if I was going to go to the grocery store and figure that out today. Or if if I was going to go take myself out to a nice Italian meal. Hmm. And I haven't decided yet. I think it might be time to get groceries, Katie. Yeah, probably. The truth is you could probably do both. I know. I also don't have a car, though. You know how sometimes when you don't have a car and you're like, crap, where's the grocery store from here? Yeah, well, I don't know what I don't know what the, the neighborhood you're in is like, if it's very residential or... Yeah, it's residential, but it's got a bunch of bars and like cafes mixed into it. Hmm. But I haven't seen like a real proper grocery store yet. Well, you might need to get one of those little carts that the old Italian ladies have, you know? Ah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those ones that you drag behind you. Yeah, those little metal and ones. you can fill with your grocery bags. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Where do I get something like that? Or get a bike. <laughs> Why don't you get a bike? Why don't you get a bike? No, I know. I need to get a bike. Yeah. I need to ask some people if if anybody has a bike that they're not using that I can borrow or find out how much it is to rent one for a month. Yeah, I'm sure it can't, it can't be that much. And it'll probably... It'll probably help keep you safe, actually. If that's how you're getting around, I, I feel like it would be safer than walking. Yep, probably. Just because it's faster. Yeah, faster, <laughs> definitely. And you can load your groceries on that thing. I, when I lived in, not the place I was living in when you were in Rome, because that was right across the street from, not across the street, but practically across the street from a supermarket. 
But when I lived on Via Garibaldi and the, the, the supermarket was like an, uh, like a 15 minute hike away or 15 minutes if you had groceries, I used to take my bike and I could get like four or five big bags of groceries on that thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, I had a basket in front and a basket in the back. So that helped. And then I'd have one on each. I'd have a bag on each hand of the handlebars. Wow. Yeah. I could carry a huge load of, of groceries just on my bike. I know. I need to do it. It's true. Maybe I will. Although this morning... I already walked for over an hour this morning and my legs are so tired right now. <laughs> so part of me is like, I'm going to just end up going out to eat somewhere and maybe tomorrow I'm going to handle it. Tomorrow I'm interviewing a woman for this show. She's going to be so great. She um, wrote a book about a book group that her and her friends hosted over the course of a year to deal with grief and the changes to their lives like figuring out what the next stage is it was a really 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 good book it's called the futilitarians but you'll hear more about it on an episode with her but she's from new orleans and so i thought well i have to strike out really early tomorrow morning to go interview her so maybe after that will be my grocery shopping day good plan good yeah. plan go go get some go get some pasta yeah go get some pasta and sit alone comfort food <laughs> i'm already sick of gumbo tiffany i'm already sick of it already after four days no i'm not i'm kidding but <laughs> it's just like everywhere is exactly the same food okay can i ask a really ignorant question yes what is gumbo well that i couldn't possibly tell you because i'm not sure if there's like one way that it's done or if it's, there's multiple ways that it's done. But it seems to be some sort of a sausage and seafood stew. Right. That's what Yesterday I ate jambalaya, which is like a sausage. Although this one also had chicken in it. Or maybe it wasn't chicken. I don't know. But mixed with rice. Mm. So it's kind of like a paella. Interesting. Coming from my Italian perspective, the thought of putting sausage and fish in the same dish is like, oh, even though I don't eat sausage anyway, it's horrifying to me, the very idea of sausage and fish together. I don't really know because I haven't eaten enough bowls of it to know if it's uniformly something or not. But I'll let you know. Ask me in a month. I'll probably be an expert at that point. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we should leave it there. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks to the Dapper Dandies and my friend Dante for the music and the new opening of the show. Follow our brand new Instagram account. The name to look for is The Bittersweet Life Podcast. And this show needs your support more than ever to keep it alive and coming to you week after week. So tell a friend, write us a review, and please donate to help pay the bills. It takes hours and hours of work to make this show happen. If you love it, help keep it alive and visit the donate button at thebittersweetlife.net. Think of it as a tip in our virtual busker's hat. Thanks.